0: Alhamdülillah Alhamdulillah alhamdulillah kathiran tayyiban mubarakan fihi mubarakan alaih kama yuhibu rabbuna Wayarda jalla jalaluhu wa ammanawaluhu wassalatu wassalamu ala sayyidil habibil mustafa sallallahu ta'ala alaihi wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wabaraka wa sallama tasliman kathiran ila yawmiddin amma ba أَعُوذُ بِاللَّهِ مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ الرَّجِيمِ بِسْمِ اللَّهِ الرَّحْمَنِ الرَّحِيمِ قُلْ هُوَ اللَّهُ أَحَدُ اللَّهُ الصَّمَدُ لَمْ يَلِدْ وَلَمْ يُوْلَدُ وَلَمْ يَكُلْ لَهُ Ahad. أَحَدُ So dear brothers, our listeners at home, and dear friends, what we're going to look at today, because it's the month of Ramadan, the month of the Qur'an, I want to look at something very simple, which is, what are the virtues of Suratul Ikhlas? Qul Ahad It's a surah that we probably read more than any other surah after Fatiha. After Suratul Fatiha, Qul Allahu Ahad. So what are the virtues of Suratul Ikhlas? And I've got one of the most comprehensive collections of virtues from the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam about Suratul Ikhlas. So that's what I'm going to look at today And these will be a series of hadiths And it will describe the Prophet ﷺ and the Sahaba's interaction About the various different excellences and merits of Surah Al-Ikhlas And give us an understanding of why it's such an important surah The first hadith is related by Imam Malik and Imam Tirmidhi Abu Hurairah who reports Once I was going along with the prophet sallallahu wasallam and he heard a man reading "Kulhu Allahu ahad somebody was reciting "Kulhu so the prophet sallallahu said wajabat it's obligatory it's obligatory it's necessary so i asked him ya rasulullah what jannah what's necessary so the prophet وسلم, said paradise this person is getting paradise because he's reciting, "Kulhu Allahu Ahad." And why not? It's Tawheed. That is exactly what Allah wants from us to declare His oneness. And when you read "Kulhu Allahu Ahad" and "Kuliyaa Kafirun," Kafirun" is exoneration from shirk. When we read "Kuliyaa Kafirun," we're saying we are not doing any shirk. We are not empartnering anyone with Allah. When we read "Kulhu Allahu Ahad," we're affirming the oneness of Allah. They're they're two of the most powerful surahs in that regard. Abu anhu said that, you know, I wanted to go and tell him this glad tidings, that he's going to have Jannah. But then, because I was with the Prophet and I feared that I would miss out on some of the other things the Prophet was going to say. So he was like, shall I go and tell him, give him the glad tidings, or shall I stay with the Prophet and learn a bit more from the Prophet Finally I decided to stay with the Prophet Sallallahu And then when he finished Then I quickly went to see if the man was there But by that time he'd gone He still gets Jannah But if he had told him he would have known about it The second hadith is from Abu Sa'id Al-Khudri Imam Bukhari and Imam Malik have related this in his Sahih Abu Sa'id Al-Khudri عنه, says that A person heard another person reciting Ahad right? Imagine you heard somebody And he kept repeating it Kept repeating قُلْ You know, the whole surah. So, in the morning, he'd probably been repeating it all night. So, in the morning, the person came to the Prophet ﷺ and he mentioned that to him. The way he mentioned it, he made him seem like, why was he just reading قُلْ as though he's trying to diminish it. Making it seem like something very simple or insignificant that he was doing. Like, what well, was He's just reading all night as though, you know, he couldn't read anything else or something like that So the Prophet ﷺ said by the one in whose hand is my soul. It is equivalent to one-third of the Quran You know this famous uh, meaning uh, this famous um, Point about being one third of the Quran. This is what the Prophet ﷺ said There is another this is a sahih narration. There is a weaker narration that Imam Ahmed has related, where he says that "Kulhu Allahu Ahad" is equal to half the Quran. As well, there is that narration, but one third is the stronger narration. There's many reasons for why it's one third of the Quran, because the Quran. Some ulama say the Quran uh, is comprising of three different types of main subjects. One is oneness of Allah. Number two, ahkam, three stories. So because كل represents so detailed description of Tawhid, that's why it's equivalent to one-third of the Qur'an. Others say you get a reward of one-third of the Qur'an. So there's all of these things about this. Another hadith by Imam Muslim, Abu Hurairah, who said that the Prophet said once, gather together, assemble together, uhshadu, gather together, because I'm going to recite to you one-third of the Qur'an. The Prophet ﷺ said, I'm going to recite to you one third of the Quran. So everybody gathered, the people who were there, they gathered, and the Prophet ﷺ came out and he recited, Kulhu Allahu Ahad. They were wondering, what he, how is he going to recite one third of the Quran? He just recited, Kulhu Allahu Ahad, and then he went back inside. So we started saying to one another that this must be something that must have come to him from the heavens. That there must be something that has come That's why he's gone back inside Meaning, he's not done one third yet And the reason why he only read Kul And then he had to go back inside is Maybe there's a, uh, some visitor You know, the angel or whatever has come in So maybe that's why he's not finished yet But then the Prophet wasallam he heard that And he said, no I told you I'm going to recite one third of the Qur'an And know that this is equal to one third of the Qur'an So that's Kulhu Allahu Ahad for us. Whenever you're going, whatever, we recite Kulhu Allahu Ahad. Abu Darda radiyaAllahu Anhu, again, hadith of Muslim and Tirmidhi, Abu Darda radiyaAllahu Anhu says that, Prophet said, Are you too incapable of reciting one-third of the Qur'an? You can't recite one-third of the Qur'an? Like every night? Can't you do one-third of the Qur'an every night? So they said, كيف يقرأ ثلث القرآن؟ How is somebody going to recite one-third of the Qur'an? Um, I mean, I said it in a bit of a bold way. I'm sure they did not say that to the Prophet ﷺ. Like, How would somebody read one-third of the Qur'an at night? They're curious. كيسي پره؟ قول هو الله أحد Reading This tells you that the virtue is like reading one third of the Qur'an as well So you might be thinking then why are we doing all of these Qur'an khatams in Ramadan Just keep reading One third, one third, one third How many Qur'ans we're going to finish in a day So let's understand something There's many worships that the Prophet ﷺ has encouraged like this For example if you read your Ishraq prayer in the morning What's the reward you get? Umrah Does that mean we don't bother going for Umrah? Right? How many Umrahs have we done if we do Ishraq every day? MashaAllah So, some of the ulama have explained this That, you know, the angels, they have a scoring sheet A scorecard for every worship So, every worship except fasting Fasting doesn't have a score, that's Allah, He gives it directly But for every other worship, salat, hajj, umrah, ishraq, uh, zakat, sadaqah, everything has a a base amount. You'll get definitely this this much. And then all of the bonuses on top of that. So if you recite, if you do an umrah, the base reward for umrah, the basic reward for umrah is like the Ishraq, with all of its additional rewards, you'll get the same as the base reward. However, the person who goes for Umrah, he gets the base reward plus all the bonuses, depending on how he does Umrah, sincerity, his difficulty, and everything like that. So likewise here, of course, if somebody reads one-third of the Qur'an properly, he'll get much more reward. But the person who receives allahu Ahad gets at least the base reward of one-third of the Qur'an. This is the way... They compared worships all the time just to encourage with one another. Hopefully that makes sense to you The next hadith is from Bukhari and Muslim Aisha, Ummul Mu'minin, radiAllahu anha says the Prophet once sent this man out in a contingent uh, somewhere and He used to in he was the Imam as well. He was the Amir and he was the imam for his jama'ah, his group. So he sent. A, let's just say a jamaat went out. Right now, what he used to do is that he used to do the imamat, and he used to keep reading "Kulhu Allahu Ahad." He used to always finish off with "Kulhu Allahu Ahad." When they came back, they said he always reads "Kulhu Allahu Ahad." Right? Maybe they couldn't say anything to him then. They told the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. So the Prophet Sallallahu said, ask him, why did he do that? What was the reason for doing that? So they asked him, they said that, he said, because it's the characteristic, it's the sifat of Ar-Rahman. This is the attributes, this is the description of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, of the most merciful one. And I love to read it. Like, I want to describe my Lord. I want to constantly describe Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. So the Prophet Sallallahu said, Inform him that Allah loves him. Now look, there's something we need to understand here as well. There's some people out there who say that unless a dhikr is mentioned specifically in the Quran in a particular way, you're not allowed to do it. They're a bit extreme. They said that you're not allowed to say Allah, Allah, Allah as a dhikr. Why? Because nowhere did the Prophet said that you should say Allah, Allah as a dhikr, that's why. Even though Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Allah, Awid Ur Rahman, call to Allah, or U-Rahman, whichever name you call, he has beautiful names. And nowhere did he prohibit it, but they're very literalist over the top. Here he decided to keep reading Allah," the Prophet said was wondering himself why he was doing it first. Then when he found out his reason, he said, Yeah, that's justified. Allah loves you for that. That shows that we have scope There is a bid'ah, though That you have to be careful of when you try to make something Sharia that is not Sharia That's a, bi- that's a bid'a properly, But this is not a bid'ah. The next hadith Anas ibn Malik radiallahu anhu. This was the servant of the Prophet For about 10 years he stayed with the Prophet He said that there was a man of the Ansar And he used to be the Imam in the Masjid uh, This was Masjid Quba In Masjid Quba he was Imam of Masjid Quba Every time he used to do the salat and start a surah, any surah he used to read, he used to first start with kulhu allahu ahad, finish it, then he would read the other surah. So if he was going to read Ida zulzila, he would read kulhu allahu ahad first, then Ida zulzila. Kulhu allahu ahad wa shamsi wa duhaha. Kulhu allahu ahad idha alshamsu kuwirat. He used to always start with kulhu allahu ahad. Every rakahat. His friends, his uh, the people there. The Musallis, they did talk to him. Imam sahab ab, kar rahe? like, why are you doing this? They obviously didn't, didn't say karre because they didn't speak Urdu, right? But you know what I'm saying. This is how they like, Imam Sab, why are you doing this? Would we say that, or would we just say kya kar What's he doing? Why does Imam Sab always do that for? We won't go to the Imam Sab and say, Imam Sab, can you explain why you're doing this? I'm curious because we're not used to it. So. Um, they said that every surah, it seems like you don't think it's sufficient unless you read kulhu Allahu ahad. Kulhu Allahu ahad ke bagir aapka nahi chalta right? So either read kulhu Allahu ahad or read the other surah, but don't do both. You know what the Imam Saab said? He says, "Ma ana bitarikiha." I'm not going to leave it. إِنْ أَحْبَبْتُ مَنْ أَأُمَّكُمْ بِهَا فَعَلْتُ وَإِنْ كَرِهْتُمْ تَرَكْتُكُمْ He says, if you like it, I'll do Imamat and with Qulwallah with adish time. And if you don't like it, then I'll leave Imamat. What's your choice now? What are you going to do? What are the people going to do? وَكَرِهُ أَنْ غَيْرُهُ But they didn't want anybody else to do Imamat. He was a very... He was a very amazing person. He was the person they wanted. They said, okay, fine, you do it now. So one day the Prophet ﷺ came to visit them and they told in Quba, the Prophet ﷺ used to go to Kuba to visit. So they told him about it. So the Prophet ﷺ said again asked him, uh, Why don't you do what your companions have told you to do? What is it that makes you read kulhu Allahu ahad in every Raqaat? So he said, Ya Rasulullah, I just love it. I just have a love for it. So the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam then said, His love for it is going to take him to paradise. His love for it is going to take him to paradise. That's why if there's a certain verse of the Qur'an that you just love, and you keep repeating it, not that you don't read anything else. You know, one is that in every namaz you read, Surah Al-Fatiha, which or adh, kuch you know because it's easy, that's different This is you understand what you're reading and you're just amazed by it, it gives you the love for Allah These are mu'mineen, these are and Allah says about the mu'mineen that they are wal amanu ashaddu hubban that's what Allah says in the Quran, that the believers they're most ardent and intense in their love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala if this was his expression of Allah that's fine you can have your favorite verse you know whatever that verse is you can have your favorite verse and inshallah it'll take you to it'll take you to jannah ayatul kursi could be your favorite verse you know uh, imam tirmidhi has uh, men- uh, has related this and imam bukhari has also mentioned it in his book but not with a chain Next hadith is from Imam Ahmad and others Abdullah ibn Khubayb al-Ansari He said once we had a Asabana tashun Anybody know what tash means? Those who understand Arabic Tash Does anybody know what? Fatal What does tallun mean? As Allah says in the Quran Fatalun Haji Yahya bhai Fatalun Light rain Tashun is a bit more than that In Arabic they've got words for everything So tallun is like a light drizzle Tashun is a bit more Until it becomes proper matr They've got words for every stage You know for love they've got 20 something stages Names for every single one It's a very very comprehensive language Anyway so it was a bit dark And it started uh, pattering Or whatever you call that in English so we waited for the Prophet ﷺ to come and do salat with us. Finally, the Prophet ﷺ came out to do imamat and he said, Say, say something. I said, What should I say? Ma'akul. He says, say kulhu Because it was a bit dark and everything. He said, Read Allahu ahad, and Rabbil Falaq and Rabbil Nas. So the three quls. These are the three quls, Okay. When you enter into the evening. When you enter into the evening, read these three And also when you enter into the morning So after Fajr, as soon as you enter into the morning They will suffice you for everything It will take care of you You will be sufficed of everything Now you know we have the tradition of the four Qul Because they're all Qul That's why they start with that But Qul Ya al Kafirun is different to the other three As I told you before, the first Qul, which is Qul Ya al Kafirun is more of an exoneration from shirk and from disbelief. Whereas, they're known more for protection. They actually have the words of protection in there. doesn't. But that's like, you could say, almost like an introduction to the rest of praising Allah to invoke him first. But, is just, you want to say that before you go to sleep? So that if you die, we've Died having recanted any kind of shirk That's the benefit of that There's a, in Imam Nasai's version It says that there's nobody bi Mithlihinna These three are, nobody can seek refuge In anything greater than these In anything like these These are the most powerful See the Prophet wasallam used to seek protection From various different harmful things Different du'as when the Kula'udhu bin Rabbil Falaq and Kula'udhu bin Rabbil Nas was revealed Then he started just using them They're very, very powerful And we should do them, the three, morning and evening Because, you know, there could be so many places we could have an evil influence from You could have an evil influence as somebody just looks at you and admires you Even your own relative and you can get the ayn It could be somebody who actually seeks to harm you It could be somebody who's jealous of you It could be somebody who wants to harm you in any other way. And not just that. Inshallah, it will protect you also from evil diseases. Because evil, disease, it's an evil. And so in the morning and in the evening, recite it. And Inshallah, it should protect us from all of these things. The next hadith is by Imam Tabarani. The Prophet said that whoever recites Kulhuallahu Ahad a hundred times in Salat or outside of Salat, Allah will write for him Bara'atam al-nar, Freedom from hellfire. Hundred times. Kulhu hundred times, you're freed from hellfire. You're freed from hellfire. This is a a sound narration I'll tell you when it's weak This one is a sound Hassan narration as well Then there's another narration In Darami and Tabarani Abu Hurairah radiallahu anhu said that Whoever recites Qul Allahu ad Ten times First one was hundred times This one ten times He gets a palace in Jannah You get a palace in Jannah Whoever recites it twenty times He gets two palaces in Jannah Each palace is going for ten Qul Allahu ahad How many do you want? And whoever recites it 30, 30 times gets three palaces in Jannah. And I guess the problem stop there. Maybe you get, you know, you'll probably get four and five and six and every ten more, right? Or maybe the deal gets better. Allah knows best. See, paradise is starts off as the Hadith says, It's an empty land for you, designated for you because you have said, "La ilaha illallah." That's your paradise. It's an empty land. You're supposed to build on it. And inhabit it With every tasbih you do You're inhabiting You're growing a tree You're growing a building You're making a palace Next hadith is from Tabarani as well Jabir radiallahu anhu says That the Prophet sallallahu said Whoever recites أحد, Every day 50 times So this one is 50 times If you do it 100 times You'll get 10 palaces insha'Allah Protection from hellfire and this 50 times you'll get that virtue as well So, you know min You know, on the Day of Judgment people will come out of their graves And then they'll go to the gathering place And it says that when we come out of our graves on that day Everybody will come out representing their deeds So if somebody was arrogant, they will come out as very miniature They'll be literally having to dodge people because when we come out of our graves, wherever there is, everybody's gonna then be taken to the mahshar The mahshar means the gathering place, the assembly place In order to get there, you have to... So anybody who's been arrogant, they're gonna be very very small and tiny Those people who used to lie And they're gonna, they're gonna come with different types of disfigurements, the zani the fornicator is going to come with a different disfigurement. There's going to be somebody coming with a big tongue. There's going to be somebody who's going to have to crawl. Somebody who's going to have to literally be on their bottom and try to drag themselves based on their sins. Now, mashallah, on that day, you want to be invited nicely. So it says that anybody who does, kulhu 50 times a day, they're going, to, they're going to be called on the Day of Judgment from their grave, so they'll come to take you from the plane door, right? You know, when you go somewhere, you don't have to go through immigration. They'll come you and take you from the plane door, not not to take you to the police, right? To take you to the lounge and to enjoy. Kum ya Allah, stand up, rise, O Praiser of Allah. And then he'll be entered into paradise. This hadith is weak. Now, this is the, another unique narration from Tirmidhi and Hakim. Ubay ibn Ka'b radiallahu anhu said that the Mushrikeen said, to the Prophet can you describe us your Lord? Describe to us your Lord. Lana That's when this verse was revealed. That's when this surah was revealed to describe who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is. Qul Allahu ahad, samad. As-samad, assamad al lam yalid wa lam yulad. Meaning, say that he is Allah the One Say he is Allah the One Allah is the Samad What does Samad mean? Self-subsisting One Has a number of meanings But the one meaning you can remember is self-subsisting Meaning, he needs nobody else to survive And everybody else needs him to survive Because he gives power to everyone Right? That's Samad The One who does not Beget nor is he begotten meaning. He doesn't have any children and neither is he an offspring very clear about that The reason is that anybody uh, then he explained reason is that anybody who is born They have to eventually die You can't remain forever if you have been born Because you have this is a philosophical issue. That, you know you you if you want to be forever You have to have been forever Which is only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Otherwise you will die And anybody who dies There's going to be somebody that will come after them And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't die And there's nobody to replace him There's nobody equal Co-equal to him Absolutely nobody co-equal to him Neither in his entity There's no other essence and that like him There's nobody who has the same characteristics like him if we have seeing and Allah sees That doesn't mean our seeing and sight is like Allah's Our sight is limited Allah sees without having to have eyes Without having to have somebody in front of them We can only see if somebody's in front If there's enough light If somebody's too close to us, we can't see them If they're too far, we can't see them If there's not enough light, we can't see them If the eyes are closed, we can't see them If it's dark outside, we can't see them Allah Subhanahu wa Taala can see everything at all times without the need of any of these instruments the next hadith is anasudiyallahu anhu he says that once Jibreel came down to the Prophet and there was a sahabi Muawiyah Ibn Muawiyah Al-Laythi who had just passed away I don't think the Prophet knew so Jibreel came down and he said Muawiyah Ibn Muawiyah has just passed away do you want to pray on him he said yes so what the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi then witnessed is Jibreel Alayhi Salam. Behind him were two rows of angels 70,000 angels in each row And the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi said Ya Jibreel How did he get this position with Allah that you got such a Salatul Janaza for him This is Muawiyah ibn Muawiyah late he passed away and these whole rows of hundred and forty thousand angels in Jim praying for him. Why? What's so special about him? What has he got? He said, because he loves Allahu Ahad. And he recites it, going places, coming back, standing, sitting, and in every state he just keeps reading It's the best dhikr. You know? If you want to do dhikr of Allah, you can just read Kulhu Allahu Ahad with the meaning and you'll be doing remembering Allah in one of the most powerful ways to remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Nukaab again. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa used to recite in witr prayer. Right? Try to do this. In your witr prayer, three rakat. witr prayer, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa used to recite first rakat. Sabih isma Rabbi kal ala Have you heard the imam sometimes doing that? Itni Sari lambi tarawih baad bhi itni lambi surat partih. Sharam niyati abko. You know, I mean, some people think that after this long tarawih, come and give us wal asr in a'taina and kulhu allahu ahad We've stood for a long time, and have you noticed that the imams they do slower qirat in witr? I don't understand that personally. Most imams do that, but I don't. I mean, come on, if you're going to do, if it's in tarawih, you read a bit faster, Then why don't you read fast in witr, especially if it's a small night? But mashallah, most imams they then lengthen it in witr. I don't understand why. Subhanallah, we must have a reason, okay? Then, you see, in so many namaz, in so many salats, the ver- it's virtuous to read kul kafirun, kul That's the pair. That's why you'll see some imams they read kul kafirun, kul because they always come as a pair. One is exoneration from shirk, the other one is establishment of. Uh, the, the, the Tawheed and oneness So Abu Hurair radiallahu anhu reports Hadith of Muslim That the Prophet sallallahu Used to recite in the two rakats of Fajr With Qul Ya al Kafirun Qul Huallahu Ahad The Sunnah in Fajr is And these days for Fajr Everybody's coming to the masjid Because it's Ramadan especially The Sunnah is that Do your Sunnah at home And in your Sunnah read Qul Ya al Kafirun And Qul Huallahu <laughs> And then come to the masjid for the fard prayer. That's the way it used to be. So you'll get additional reward, inshaAllah. You're going to come for namaz and salat anyway. yul kafin, always. In Fajr Sunnah, I always read that because that is what the Prophet ﷺ used to recite. Also, where's the other place? Who can remember? Where else is it recommended to recite yul kafin, Which other salat? In the two rakats of Tawaf, if you remember. Well after your after your tawaf they recommend that as well, and that is from the following hadith in which Jabir ibn Abdullah anhu says, and Jabir has the most detailed hadith about the Hajj of the Prophet. It's very, very long. There's others who've also described the Hajj of the Prophet, but Jabir describes it in great detail. Right? So in there he says that then after that he went to Maqam Ibrahim. And there he Read the verse مصلى, That you should make the maqam Ibrahim place You should take it as a place of prayer And then after that He had the maqam between him and the house So he stood between, uh, in, behind the maqam So facing the house of Allah And he says My father used to say That he used to recite That's the hadith for that Another one, Ibn Umar عنه, who repate, re, relates that the Prophet used to recite in the two rakats before Fajr and the two rakats after Maghrib. As our uncle was saying here, two rakats after Maghrib. The two sunnats. As our Punjabi brothers say, Tarabiyan sunnata. Right? Just very lovely. Um, two rakats. قُلْ هُ لِيَا أَيُّهَا but you know this one, it's not just once. This hadith says that he used to recite in the Fajr Sunnah and in the two after the Maghrib 20-something times. Okay, um, last hadith for today. Anas ibn Malik radiallahu anhu relates that the Prophet said whoever recites إِذَا Zulzilatil الْأَرْضُ that is equal to half the Quran. So now, if you read Ida Zulzila, you get the reward of half the Quran. Whoever recites Kulia Yuhu al Kafirun, that is a quarter of the Quran. According to this hadith, it's a quarter of the Quran. And whoever recites Kulhu Allahu Ahad, it's one third of the Quran. So just read Ida Zulzila, Kulia Yuhu al Kafirun, Kulhu Allahu Ahad. And that's in five minutes, you'll get, or two minutes, you'll get, mashallah the whole Quran reward. There's, Tirmidhi has a slightly different version He says that the Prophet ﷺ said to his companions He told one of his companions Are you married yet? Ya Fulan He says, no I can't get married Ya Rasulullah I don't have anything to get married by I don't have the means right? I don't have an apartment I don't have the mahar money I have nothing right? So the Prophet ﷺ said to him Don't you have كله I had with you? He said, yes, of course he said, "That's one third of the Quran." Don't you have idha ja nasrullahi walfat? Said yes. That's a quarter of the Quran. Don't you have Yul kafirun? Yes. That's another quarter of the Quran. Don't you have Ida zulzila? He says yes. That's another quarter of the Quran. Go and get married. You read. I mean, this could be understood in many ways. Get married with the barakah of them. Allah will give you. By the way, there are two things in the Quran. It mentions that if you do them, Allah subhanahu wa taala enriches you. Two things. If you do, you get prosperity. One is marriage. If they're poor, Allah will enrich them with His grace. I mean, have some preparation. Unless your taqwa and your tawakkul is so great that, yes, I'm going to get married and it's all going to be sorted, then it will happen for you. If you've got the tawakkul like Ibrahim. Otherwise, go and prepare a room. Right, and have the have everything ready as well. You know, you have to because as men, you have to be responsible. Subhanallah, you know, there's only one thing: if you have children and they have their own money, their own assets from inheritance or whatever, you can actually spend from there on them. You don't have to spend your own money, right? That will make life a lot easier for everybody because some people think child benefit, I can't spend it. It's you can spend it. It's actually government gives it to you anyway. Doesn't give it. He gives it for you to spend as a family With the children right? But anyway, even the child's money You can spend on him or her But there's only one thing Your wife, even if she's a millionaire And you're a working class person You still have to spend on her You can't oblige her to spend from her million For the basics It's a very special relationship The second part in which Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala says that we will Give you opening Do you know what it is? Divorce you don't do divorce for that purpose. But Allah does say to give comfort because a lot of people they're frightened of divorce. Allah says, If they do, and I tell this to so many people who their husbands are going to divorce them, or the wife wants a divorce and he doesn't want to give it and it's irreconcilable. Right? But for some reason they're scared or whatever. I tell them this verse, have. Yaqeen in this verse Allah says If they do separate Allah will enrich Each one of them From his Abundance Have tawakkul in that And in fact If you look at Surah At-Talaq You know there's a surah In 28th Just Surah At-Talaq it, It's about the Talaq Masail And just With those Masail You've got the three Major verses of Taqwa And they're saying Whoever fears Allah Allah will Allah will give them from where they would never have thought Allah, if Whoever fears Allah, Allah is sufficient for them And so on So if divorce, if it has to come to divorce Have in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Don't go for divorce But if it has to come to it, it's not the end of the world Otherwise what happens, men get away with it Most men, but it's the women who suffer They suffer very badly, they get depressed And it goes really bad That's why have, have yaqeen and in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Imam Bukhari has related that Aisha radiyallahu anha ummul muminin says that the Prophet وسلم, whenever he would get to his bed at night time he would bring his palms together and then he would blow in them and he would recite the three quls qul ahad qul a'udhu bi rabbil qul a'udhu bi So in some it mentions that you blow first, in others it's you blow afterwards, but either way it should be fine, you read the three surahs and then you blow in your palms and then he would cover as much of his body as possible with his two hands, so he would pass his, uh, his palms over as much of his body as possible as though he's giving himself immunity and protecting himself front and back as much as possible he would do this three times actually he would do this three times so try to do that if you can't do that for whatever reason then at least read the surahs but try to also pass your hands over there's another hadith which is related from Abdurrahman ibn Abi Layla he says Ubay ibn Ka'b once said that we we were sitting once with the Prophet when a desert Arab a Bedouin came along and he complained, he said, I've got a brother who's very, very sick. So the Prophet ﷺ asked him, What is the problem with your brother? What exactly is his sickness? What's his illness? So the person said that he has a slight, uh, in Arabic it's called lamam, slight insanity. He's gone a bit crazy. You would say he's gone a bit crazy, slight maybe a diabolical possession. You know, basically he's been possessed slightly. He needs ruqya essentially. That's the question. A lot of people ask this. They want ruqya. So this is the ruqya. This is the hadith about ruqya, by the way. You can tell me if you recognize this. So the Prophet ﷺ said, fine, go and bring him. Bring your brother. So he came. The brother came. And the Prophet ﷺ sat sat him in front of him. And then the narrator, Ubay ibn Kabradiyana says, I heard him do the ruqya, I heard him essentially cure him, right? Using the following al Fatiha. So the first thing he read was al Fatiha. The first four verses of Suratul Baqarah. There's two verses from the middle of Suratul Baqarah wa ilahukum ilahu wahid. And then Ayatul Kursi. Then three verses from the end of Surah Al-Baqarah. Then one verse from Surah Ali imran and he says, "I think this is Shahid Allahu La Ilaha Illahu And that verse, which is basically verse 18. One verse of Surah Al-Araf, verse 54 of Surah Al-Araf: "Inna Allahu ladhi and then one verse of Suratul Muminun, 117, which is Wa mayyadu umal Allah ila han aakhirah la burhan lahu bih. And then another verse of Suratul Jin, Wa anhu taala jed rubna ma sahibatan walla wulada verse three. And ten verses from the beginning of Suratul Safat was. Saafati Saffa Fazajirati Zajira. Three verses from the end of Suratul Al-Hashar And then قُلْ هُوَ اللَّهُ أحد. And the قُلْ أَوْضِ بِرَبِّ الْفَلَقُلْ أَوْضِ بِرَبِّ So the three Quls at the end And MashaAllah, this guy just stood up afterwards As though he had no problem So This is an amazing thing Read these Does anybody recognize this? So they've gathered it together And they generally call it the manzil. Uh, you can find it on YouTube, there's uh, Quran reading it If you can't read it yourself, if the marid, if the patient who's having trouble cannot read it themselves Then you can have it played in, It's best for a live reading Because uh, when it's live then there's more barakah in that But if you can't, uh, let them hear it They say that they must hear it And it needs to be loud enough for them to hear it Sometimes they will actually protest Anybody who's got the evil eye or some bad problem when you start reading fatiha in front of them, nazrilla gay, as they say, when you start reading fatiha, they'll start crying more in the beginning. Because they don't want it to, to be read. But this is very, 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 very powerful. Okay. So do this and you don't have to worry about any numbered ta'weez or anything like that. But some people, and you tell them to do it, they say, no, amid ta'weez Chahi. I need something in my hands. I mean, read this is more powerful. These are all the powerful verses. So this is Imam Ahmad has transmitted this Hadith. So keep that in mind. Thereafter that, I've uh, mentioned to you that in the witr prayer, the first rakat was Subhi Hisma Rabbi Kal second one was Ya Kafirun, third rakat it's Sunnah to recite Kulhu Allahu Ahad. Then there's another Hadith. In which the Prophet ﷺ said to Uqba ibn Amir, shouldn't I teach you some surahs, such surahs, that the Torah and Zabur, they don't even have any surahs like that. No surah like them have been revealed in the Torah or Zabur, they're very unique. No in the Torah, Old Testament, nor in the Zabur, the Psalms, and no in the Injil, the Evangel, the original Bible. Okay. And nor, in, nor is there anything else in the Qur'an like that either. So they're very different from anything else in the Qur'an. And no night should come upon you except that you better read them. You should read them every night. After we've read so many of these, I mean, we need to get our children and ourselves to make sure in morning and evening we're reading these three quls regularly. Uqbah then says, Uqba ibn radiyallahu and then says, Every night then I never missed it. No night did I ever miss it. And how can I miss it? he says, how can I miss it when the Prophet told me specifically to do them? So how can I miss it? So the Prophet told him, it's like he's telling us as well. The hadith from Jabir ibn Samurah radiyallahu anhu, which Imam Tirmidhi has transmitted that the Prophet used to recite. Now, this is something that many people don't know about this one. He used to recite in the Maghrib of Friday, Salatul Maghrib Laylatul Jumu'ah, So the night of Friday. So th- if today was Thursday, the Maghrib that would come. That's the time he in that Maghrib he would recite Qul Ya Allahu Ahad. In that particular Maghrib and in in that same Isha of Friday night Isha And Remember in Islam the night comes before the day. So if tomorrow's Friday, it'll be tonight, right? He would recite in the Isha prayer on uh, he would recite Suratul Jumu'ah and Suratul Munafiqun. But make sure that the, if you're an Imam make sure you tell your congregation that's what you're gonna do otherwise because it's kind of a bit beyond um, Washamsi وَضُحَاهَا It's double the size at least. Uh, somebody might start complaining. I Tell them you'll get more reward for it. It'll only take two, three minutes extra. Just like on Friday morning, you have the two sunnah, which is Suratul sajdah and Suratul insan which generally takes about 50% more time. Right? It's because of a reason, that's why. It's not to uh, punish everybody or to persecute anybody. There's a reward for doing this, to follow that. But inshallah, this gives us a renewed understanding of the significance of It's not just a surah you read because it's easy. There's a lot to it. It's very, very valuable, very potent. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept from us. And may Allah enter us into Jannah through the verses and the surahs of the Quran. wa الدَّعْوَانَا أَنِ اللهم أنت السلام ومنك السلام تبارك هذا الجلال والإكرام اللهم يا حي يا قيوم برحمةك نستغيث اللهم يا معدن الجود والكرم يا أكرم الأكرمين ويا خير المسؤولين ويا خير المؤتين الله Give us from you. Abundance, Ya Allah, give us from your generosity, from your mercy, from your forgiveness Oh Allah, this month is a month of forgiveness, a a month of mercy, a month of generosity Oh Allah, there is so much generosity being displayed in this month So many people are spending so much on others to feed others and to give their sadaqat and and their zakat Oh Allah, all of this comes from your generosity, from what you have done for us Oh Allah, that you have increased the rewards of all the worships that we do. Oh Allah, Oh Allah, you have made it very clear that you want us to succeed and that you want us to go to Jannah. But oh Allah, how bad would it be that if we don't make the effort and we don't go? Oh Allah, enable us, enable us, give us the interest, give us, the, give us the, the zeal to get into paradise and to be written as freed from the hellfire. Oh Allah, every night people are being written as freed from the hellfire. Oh Allah, write us among them. Oh Allah, the days are going past swiftly. Nearly a half of Ramadan will be up. And oh Allah, what have we got to show? Oh Allah, make this Ramadan for us better than the previous Ramadans. Oh Allah, oh Allah, allow this Ramadan to be better than the previous Ramadans. Oh Allah, accept our du'as, accept, accept from all the Muslim community and bless the entire Ummah around the world. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifuna salamun al mursaleen rabbil The point of a lecture is to encourage people to act, to get further, an inspiration, an encouragement, persuasion. The next step is to actually start learning seriously to read books, to take on a subject of Islam and to understand all the subjects of Islam, at least at their basic level, so that we can become more aware of what our deen wants from us. Uh, And that's why we started Rayyan courses, so that uh, you can actually take organized lectures uh, on demand whenever you have free time, especially, for example, the Islamic Essentials uh, course that we have on there, the Islamic Essentials Certificate, which you take 20 short modules and at the end of that, inshallah, you will have gotten the, the basics of uh, most of the most important topics in Islam. And you'll feel a lot more confident. You don't have to leave lectures behind. You can continue to, leave, uh, you know, to listen to lectures. But you need to have this more sustained study as well. Jazakallah khairan. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh.